Welcome to our podcast, A Real World Discovery of Guest Experience in the Hospitality and Lodging Industry, uncovering a mixture of technologies and human-driven initiatives that are raising guest expectations and forever changing the guest experience across the hospitality and lodging sector. If you are interested or involved in the travel industry and are passionate about creating unique guest experiences, join us as we talk to experts in the industry to learn about the future trends and how you can set yourself apart from the competition in 2021 and beyond. Welcome to this week's episode of the GuestX podcast, where we encourage you to build a guest experience worth talking about. Uh, my name is Matthew Loney. I am your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Brian O'Malley. Brian, hey, how are things? Great, great, great. Another good day out here in Orlando, Florida. Excited to be on this week's podcast. Yeah, no, I thank you for joining me for another week. People don't know, Brian does all of the work throughout the week. And actually, as the as this being his brainchild, I, I felt bad. And then I realized all the work that Brian had roped us into by starting the Guest X <laughs> podcast. So now I happily allow him to do all the work through the week and I show up. But hey, you know, Brian, uh, you know what? Exactly it's, we, it's all worth it. All worth it. I love uh, doing these podcasts. <laughs> At least it gives us some time to chat to some really, really cool people in the industry. I will say that has been the highlight for me is just each week, you know, I get to say, oh, you know, who is it this week? What am I going to learn? It has been a lot of fun. And, you know, kind of on that note, you know, last week, Michael Frisch's business model, you know, they've obviously got their conferences. They're, they're very, I would say, cutting edge of the newest technologies. You know, the big companies, you know, they're across all segments of travel, but really at their core, they're a data company. And that's really what he spoke about, you know, was kind of, you know, understanding your guests, building out that kind of guest profile. And and to give him some credit too, you know, for those who don't know, I mean, he he was an executive at Interhome. So this isn't somebody you just go building guest experience around those local markets is so important. But you know, he did talk a lot about kind of the educational component in our industry. And this is something that I know you, you're pretty passionate about being in Orlando where, you know, look, we've got some some of the best operators in the country are in Orlando because it is, you know, maybe outside of Hawaii, right? When you talk about just number of occupied nights, number, of, you know, the, the inventory is way more than Hawaii, I would, I would have to imagine. But but probably the top one or two vacation rental markets. But we've also got a lot of our problems in Orlando because I think a lot of people do just start in Orlando and go, oh, you know, you just start managing some homes and people throw money at you. So I thought that was interesting when he talked about some of that educational component. Yeah, I see Orlando usually as a beta test for almost everything. Good managers, bad managers, good experiences, bad experiences, all types of technology. And honestly, uh, we are the epicenter of guest experience. You've got the largest parks in the world here. And so if you're not providing good guest experience and the best destination as far as, you know, tourist destination in the world, then you're not up to par. And and so I think Michael's approach is really interesting. He has an incredible background in, in the space. I mean, you know, he's been in 30 years plus in the hospitality industry, Vacation Rental University is uh, to me it's a great program i think it gives a lot of property managers assets to 
learning. So I, I think that's something that's still lacking in our industry, which is where do you go as a resource to be able to learn how to operate as a property manager? What the heck does that mean? Everything from your operations down to guest experience. So I think they provide quite a bit of those tools and hopefully it continues to evolve. As far as what he's doing now with the property management company, Skyrun's an incredible company. They have over 1,200 properties in, in their portfolio. I think you know they took the local operator platform and they expanded it over the United States and they've implemented some incredible tools. Something that's very useful for local operators that are very small. If you don't have the assets to grow and build a team by yourself, this gives you the opportunity to have a big team behind you. Yes, you're paying licensing fees, but you're also getting a ton of value behind you implementing things like guest experience or operational procedures and processes and having teams that can help you work through you know, some of the day-to-day -day stuff that you might not think about. So he's a really interesting guy. The, the episode was really, really cool. I enjoyed talking to him. Hopefully he comes back on soon. Yeah, yeah. And you you mentioned something I think um during the during the podcast, you know, I came from restaurant franchising and it is you know, usually you see franchising be very popular and very successful in industries that are heavy operational and that are difficult for somebody to just kind of start up on their own, i.e. restaurants, right? Where you see a ton of restaurants, but it makes sense, right? You get entrepreneurial people who realize that like there's a lot to this right and you you know in the restaurant industry it's also a lot of the food delivery and things like that that you can kind of you get as part of that restaurant it's surprising we don't see more of this you know you've got skyrun you've got i think I uh, trip. grand welcome i trip obviously is the biggest awesome. which is owned um, by inhabit iq but you know you've got a few of these but it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see. Maybe maybe we see more of those those kind of grow. But I, I did find it fascinating because they have the benefits of the local operator when they need it, with the benefits of kind of the national group and and larger technology solutions when you in the areas where you need that. It's a good fit. I think one of the challenges where you don't really have it with franchising, which is the model. I don't think we've figured out the model. The, the the right model for franchising in the vacation rental space it's very uh we're very dependent on local models so you don't have the same margins in each one of the each one of the destinations orlando is probably one of the lowest margins whereas you know you can go into some others like hawaii or california and your margins are much much larger and so charging percentages and figuring out a, a global model is very difficult. So it'll be interesting to see some of these bigger players. I mean, you've got the Picasso's of the world coming in as well and, and buying up some of these companies. And I think it's something that will have great success if we can manage to get it down right. Yeah, yeah, no question. Well, it was, it was a great show, really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to this week's show. What, if you can, why don't you give a little intro for our guest this week? On this week's episode, we're talking to Arthur Coker, the founder and CEO of StayFi. StayFi is a cloud-managed Wi-Fi solution that enables vacation rental managers to seamlessly collect guest data information, build brand awareness, and drive more direct bookings. Arthur is also the editor-in-chief at VRM Insider. Prior to StayFi, Arthur has led digital marketing strategy at several startups and ran his own marketing and branding consultancy. Hey, Arthur, thank you so much for being on today's podcast. We're really, really excited to have you on GuestX. I'd love to 
give you a little bit of a platform to introduce yourself, introduce Safi, and get us started with what your thoughts are on guest experience. Define it for us. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, my um, this is Arthur Kolker. I'm the founder and CEO of Safi, and we're the number one provider and provider of branded mesh Wi-Fi solutions for vacation rentals. So using our product, our customers can collect the names, emails, phone numbers of everybody staying in their vacation rentals through a branded Wi-Fi captive splash page, just like guests are already doing at airports, hotels, coffee shops, and all these other types of hospitality locations. And then through our product, individuals can also manage all of their Wi-Fi networks remotely and make sure every guest is having a great Wi-Fi experience during their stay. And then when it comes comes to guest experience for us, you know, it's really just about providing an enjoyable experience during their stay where all the individual all the information they need to, you know, use the home to its fullest is available and easily accessible during their time in the vacation rental. That's a completely different approach to almost any of the other guests that have come onto the show and and you've got it nailed to a T, which is very impressive. That's awesome. So tell yeah. us about the solution. How did you how did you actually come up with Stayfy? What was what was the background there? Yeah. What, what prompted you to start this company? Yeah, so my background's in actually in digital marketing, not in Wi-Fi technology. So I think that kind of differentiates us from uh, other players that have a much more IT-centric approach to providing Wi-Fi solutions for any hospitality location. Um, so I had my own digital marketing agency. And I just happened to start getting several larger property managers who were looking for advice on building their brand and growing their book direct strategy, whether that was email, SEO, paid search, all of those different tactics we see individuals use to grow their direct booking business and their brand. And through that experience, I found the one persistent issue that kept coming up is that they had tons of guests coming through these large vacation rentals. But the OTAs, as you know, are not keen on sharing guest data with the direct book brands for their own use. And those OTAs typically only even know the bookers information. And my customers want to collect data from, you know, all 10 adults staying in their property. So we looked at a bunch of solutions agnostically. We said, why don't we just implement the same type of Wi-Fi we see at the hotel, Starbucks, and it turns out the companies that offered those solutions, they weren't a good fit for vacation rentals because they're not really meant to manage a lot of distributed single locations at a cost-effective way. So we decided to build our own solution that would work well for short-term rental properties. It, it's interesting, Arthur. Before we get into it, because because I mean, really, I think what you're what you're doing here is kind of you've. You've identified probably the one area, you know, maybe along with like door codes, right? Where everyone's got to go, except here, only one person in the party needs the door code. So you've identified it as this is the one place where everyone's kind of going through. And then you're almost using it as an excuse to, to be able to kind of aggregate the guests and, and then put that to use later. And we can kind of talk about that, but I think it's really interesting. One of the questions, though, just so our, our listeners, you know, that our listeners may have just on your product, though, is can you give us an idea on the reliability of the data? I know that you said phone numbers and email addresses, you know, I've been on systems where I can kind of give a, 
you know, for lack of, you know, I hate to say, but kind of a BS, right? Like email address, because I don't want a marketing to me or uh, a phone number. Do you guys have any of that as far as like, what well, what is that reliability on on your, um, in, in the units that you're currently in? Yeah, so we actually partner with a third party tool called Zero Bounce. And they have a very reliable ability to detect whether emails are valid or not. And so they use kind of AI and a bunch of historical data to determine what emails are valid or invalid. And our customers have the option to kind of use that tool to determine whether when somebody enters an email, whether it's real or not. And so basically the system gives back kind of three responses. One is valid, invalid, or unknown. And then obviously if it's unknown, we just let the person on because we wouldn't want to stop them from entering the Wi-Fi. So we kind of err on the side of letting people on. But when people implement that, it's around like a 98% uh, validity rate. And so we know that once we'll start marketing only about 2% of the emails that they capture through our system bounce. So that's, you know, I'd say a pretty good percentage. And then overall, we find that you're only going to collect as much information as people use Wi-Fi. And the averages, if you have like 10 adults staying in a property, you're going to collect somewhere between seven to nine valid emails during the course mm-hmm. of the stay. And then obviously, wow. as, the more you market your Wi-Fi network, the more individuals will use it while they're there in the property. So I've got a question on, on email addresses and, and Wi-Fi. My daughter, mm-hmm. seven years old, just yeah. got a cell phone. And it drives me absolutely bonkers that she actually has one of these, but there's a purpose to it. But this kid's running around with her cell phone, and she's connecting to Wi-Fi so that she can whether she's playing on her phone, watching videos, or doing her homework, how do you guys identify kids that are of those lower? Like, how how do you basically, what do you do with that data? How do you yeah, decipher yeah. so adults kind of, from, from kids? Yeah, so there's kind of two things. One is uh, people have the option to have a birth date field on the splash page. And when you have that, it will only pass people who are over 18 into your email marketing tool and you'll collect everyone's birth date. Although I believe legally you can email marketing people over 13, um, but we're a little more conservative than that. And then I think the behavior that actually takes place is the same behavior we observe in hotels or coffee shops or airports is kids just hand the tablet or phone to the parent and they enter it in for the child. So I say those are kind of like the two ways we've approached this. I'd say the second behavior of parents entering is the most common one we see. Do you guys monitor the timeframes from when a kid, let's say, is 10 all the way up to maybe they turn 18 and now it triggers something for them to be marketable? Hmm. Well, we, have, we haven't been around that long. Um, okay. But I mean, we <laughs> is really it something empower- that you guys have yeah. thought about? Yeah, I mean, it really impacts. So if people do collect birth dates, they have that data. And some people use birth dates for like triggering. Like MailChimp, you can trigger like an email on a birth date. So I'd say right now it's really on the user's kind of job to look at the data and see what guests they have. But obviously in the future, it might be something interesting we implement to pass emails over to the email marketing tool when they are of age to market to. Right. So here comes the big questions, Matt, which is what do we start doing with some of this data? Yes. Yes. And and that's been, you know, and I know, Arthur, I think there, 
you know, as part of your, maybe some of your solutions, they can actually use StayFi to maybe, you know, have drip campaigns that they don't already have, you know, their own email system. A lot of them do, but, you know, some of them may not, some of your smaller providers may not, but, but regardless, whether they're using StayFi or, you know, you mentioned, you know, MailChimp or any of these others, the question still is, okay, I've got it, which is really important, right? I've got now maybe 70% more than I was getting before, but what do we, what do we, what are we communicating with the guests? Cause you know, Brian and I've had this discussion and we, we feel like we're as an industry, we're gathering more and more data yet. The emails I still get when I stay in properties feel the same as they did back, you know, when I first started going to vacation rentals, you know, maybe five, six, seven years ago, maybe 10 years ago now. So are, you know, are we getting better or, and if not, how do we improve the, you know, utilizing this data through email? Yeah. So I'd say, I'll tell you where we are today, and then I'll talk a little bit more about where we want to go in the future. Cause I don't think, as you mentioned, I don't think uh, most people are for good reason, like most vacation rental companies don't have in-house email marketing specialists. They may hire someone outside, but probably only for a few hours a week. So it's all about how do we build tools to help people automate email marketing more easily so that it's less man hours on their end to create a great experience. And so where we are right now and like the way that we look at it is we assume for most customers, when the guest arrives in the property, they are not aware of the direct booking brand. And so we think the journey kind of goes like the splash page is one of the first touch points where the customer or our customer will introduce their brand to the guest, explain how they're different than the OTA, what their role is, why they are the primary determinant of the actual experience the guests will be having during the stay since they manage and clean and maintain the properties. And then we really recommend and we provide support to set up email automation. So you mentioned MailChimp, and that's what 70 to 80% of our customers use. So that's really what we build our support right now around because it's by far the most predominant tool. And so we provide the guide and explanation and templates to set up an automation campaign in MailChimp. And what that looks like practically is that when the guest signs on, and most of the people signing on are not the primary booker, so they don't have access to house information or much information about the brand either, they'll receive immediately a welcome email that gives the brand more space than they would have on the splash page to, again, explain their role potentially give someone a code to rebook directly at a discount and provide information about the local destination. And if they have it, also provide links to any house guide or other material uh, that they'd want to share with those non-booking guests so they can get more more information around the specific property. And then we provide our customers a subsequent series of emails that they can use over the course of, let's say, the next 90 to 120 days to continue to market to that customer on an automated basis. And if someone does this well, they can intersperse in those emails, things called merge tags, where they're actually referencing the specific property the guest stayed in. So it has that extra air of personalization 
more than you would get with kind of a typical email blast that's very generic for the entire company. So that's where we are now. Any questions on kind of the email flow or how that works? And then I can talk about a few other items. Well, you're not just a product then. Uh, I mean, Stapy is 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 a hub. You guys are really a marketing company at its core, which is it's really interesting. So, are the email temp- templates? You guys have these email templates designed and prepared for property managers, I'm assuming, and then they can go in and you guys can edit it depending on their brand and their location. So you guys can start to narrow down more on the market and the type of customer that they have. Is that correct? So the communication yes. becomes a little I mean, bit more streamlined. Yeah. So right now it's more self-service. So we just provide all the materials and then people customize it for their own brand. I think you bring up a good point of like, do we want to bring some of those services in-house and have more like a consultative model? Right now, we typically we have some partners that we refer people to that offer like discounts if people want somebody to like fully implement this series as opposed to do it themselves. Although we have toyed with the idea and we did for a while kind of do it on behalf of some customers. And then, but kind of along with that, where we're more moving to is actually like more of a tease is a tool like MailChimp actually using like their API. Instead of, we can actually like log in and edit the customer's MailChimp account on their behalf. So we want to build a more automated tool set where if somebody uploads a series of like, let's say pieces of information about their brand and company, it will create the automation on their behalf in MailChimp. So you kind of want to move towards removing as much human man hours in the process and kind of perhaps build the entire automation on behalf of the customer in their MailChimp, which then they could just edit based on uploading certain fields, images, and information about their brand. So that's kind of like a more seamless way of implementing it as opposed to having a human involved in creating it from scratch. And, and one of the, you know, one of the questions I had, Arthur, just on kind of what you described with where we're at too, is, you know, is, is there, and if not, do you perceive the ability, you know, if I'm a lodging provider, you know, I may have other third-party vendors, you know, I'm just going to use Explory here, you know, Brian as an example, right? But we've, we've taken over the email or we've taken on, I guess, the emailing guests on behalf of our clients from after they book and, and through the booking process. And, and to what you've said, Arthur, we, what we've seen is really high, you know, 30% open rates, 19% click to rate, but we've got somebody who like, they sit there every day and they're A-B testing and they're doing all those things, right? So I could see where a client may say, hey, what I'd like to do is as new guests in that house come on, you know, like to build an API so that Explory has that so they can hit them with, hey, here's your local activities and stuff. And then you can really see StayFi as kind of that true platform, right, where it's it's aggregating this for you and then almost distributing it out to the different providers that third parties that you may be utilizing that run other things so that it is more seamless. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I mean, we definitely view ourselves as hub and spoke. And we integrate with, you know, I know we mentioned it earlier, like Blue Tent. Like, our, we have like a set integration with Blue Tent so that when we bring on board someone who's using Blue Tent email marketing services, Blue Tent already understands how to adapt their campaigns to having, you know, five to 10 times more email information. 
and they understand the differences of collecting emails in a property from guests that are already staying there versus let's just say like a pop-up on a website where you're just, now you're communicating with somebody who's interested in booking, not a current guest. Um, and so how working with partners that understand how, when you collect the email, is the customers and or guests is in a different life cycle or journey with the brand. And so the communication has to be different. And so the more we can educate the partners that are working with our clients to do marketing is always the most helpful because those types of emails are going to be treated hopefully differently. And like you said before, that's how you move away from that kind of a personal email marketing that feels a little more old fashioned that maybe we're more used to seeing from vacation rental brands, which obviously don't have the capital or resources that like a Marriott would have in terms of investing in pretty advanced technology to cater emails to exactly where the guest is or potential customer in their life cycle. A really interesting conversation. I mean, it takes, it takes a lot of the questions about data to a different level with you guys, because I mean, in my view, looking at a property manager that might have two or three properties through a property manager that has a few hundred, if not a few thousand properties, in most cases, these guys still don't know what to do with that data. And if you give them a platform where it's it's manageable and, and it's usable, I see the adoption rate going up if people can understand the value behind how to use the data and approach the customers the right way. So kudos to you guys for creating such a, a user-friendly platform. So what are the next phases with you guys? What are you guys looking for in terms of technology? Where are you guys going as a company? And and what how you know how can property managers take advantage of what you guys are doing in the future? Yeah. So in terms of where we're headed, it's very much what I mentioned before is how do we automate as much of the marketing on behalf of the customers? Because that's still where we see the biggest gap. And I'd say like in terms of number, like our biggest segment of customers is actually people in the one to 10 property space. I think sometimes people assume a lot of them, like we do have a lot of larger property managers that do have more resources and perhaps are more sophisticated around email marketing, but their bread and butter is still kind of smaller property managers. And we are still focused on building tools for them to take more off their plate. Because the more that we can take off their plate from a marketing standpoint, the more they can focus on providing the best possible guest experience to the customers that are staying in their homes. And then other outside of email, because we spend a lot of time talking about email, other tools that we have or will be adding are, right now we already have retargeting with social media marketing. So for instance, anyone logging in through the splash page, we allow people to put what's called a Facebook pixel on those pages. And that lets them build a retargeting audience in Facebook and Instagram advertising to advertise to all the guests that have stayed in their homes. And that's another area where we're going to move from pretty much the get the customer has to know how to do that type of advertising to where we can do more of it on their behalf, leveraging Facebook ads tools, same with Google and perhaps some other platforms in the future. And then the third big one that we haven't started yet is text marketing and how we're going to approach that. 
because it's, it's much more high open, but then also kind of invasive, some could say, marketing technique. Because if you're getting blasted with text marketing all the time, you're going to get very annoyed and want to unsubscribe. So that's one where I think we're going to really hold the customer's hands through what are recommended cadences and like frequency when it comes to text marketing and how should we approach that type of messaging to the guests because it is super powerful, but you have to be really careful with how you use that particular type of tool. And I was gonna I was gonna ask that question as we get as we kind of wrap up, but I, I think it is interesting because you know we talk a lot about guest experience, Brian, but we've also talked about how a big piece of it is you know, better communicating with the guests, better communicating, you know, in setting expectations, right? And so I think a piece of this is, you know, what's that content look like? What's that messaging look like? But before that, it's even how do I reach them? And, you know, one of the questions I've got, Arthur, is what are you seeing from a text opt-in versus the emails? You know, because it is, and it also, I think it's much more of a regulated space, Right. Even 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 though even the opt in, opt out or, you know, kind of feeling like it's more invasive, which I agree. I think it, it does feel that way for the consumer. But even setting all that aside, I just think that there's, you know, there's a higher um, focus from regulators on people who are blasting text messages out to people than people who are blasting emails. I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe it feels that way. But tell us what you're seeing in that realm. Yeah, well, text messaging definitely requires explicit opt-in from the individual with certain disclosures. So obviously, anything we build will incorporate that. And so obviously, the opt-in rate will always be lower than email marketing. But the open rates engagement is also much higher. So it's kind of like lower on one end, but higher on the other. And I think we'll think intelligently about incenting people to opt-in. Like, oh, if you opt-in to marketing, we'll send you like, code of discount or kind of build those in as like pre-fab messages so that when a customer ends up turning it on, it kind of like builds this into their marketing program already. And then email marketing is an interesting one because we do have can spam, which is a very weird name in the United States, which regulates how email marketing should be done which is why things like every email marketing piece has to have an unsubscribed link in it. There's some like gray area between transactional emails, which don't you don't need permission to send versus marketing emails, and then you blur the two. Um, but for us, we provide the customer multiple ways to collect the opt-in. So we do provide the checkbox, and someone can customize the language, and they can pre-check it. They can not have it pre-checked. They can actually require people to agree to the terms in order to access the Wi-Fi. And that's useful if you have a bunch of other things you want the guests to agree to, like explicitly calling out certain activity you don't want to take place on your wireless networks like BitTorrent and things like that. So we give the customer a lot of power when it comes to how they want to collect the email opt-in. And that also lets customers outside of the U.S., make sure that they're following the rules for their local jurisdiction because it is a little more the pre-check box, for instance, like doesn't typically fly in the EU or Canada and there has to be an affirmative opt-in. I don't know if that totally answers your question. Got, and then like, what is no, the overall no, opt-in does, yeah. rate? Yeah, yeah, that, that really ranges. So I say it's like anywhere from like 30 to 80%. It's all over the map. I think some people are better at incentivizing guests to opt-in, like 
oh, if you check this, you'll receive XYZ thing right after you opt in. And then also, I think it is somewhat reflective of the actual experience of the guests. If they love the home and are like, this place is awesome, I think there's going to be a higher opt-in rate, right? But if they get there and not happy, I don't think they're going to want to subscribe to your emails. So it's definitely also a proxy for how well you're doing in terms of guest experience. So that's, a, hey, that's hey, Brian, an interesting Brian. point. That's an interesting point right yeah. there, Matt, which is how do you leverage, like there's different types of marketing and reaching, like booking is one thing with guest experience, but how else can you leverage that type of technology and reach the guests? Reviews is another one. Reviews is probably one of the yeah. biggest generators of bookings direct to a property. So what other ways do you, can you suggest that the, that your customers can leverage this technology to be able to attract customers? Book direct is fantastic. Reviews is another fantastic way. Do you have customers that are using that as a tool to be able to gather information about how they're doing in the property? Yeah, so I'd say a few things. One is with the subject of reviews for OTA bookings, only the booker can leave a review. So I'd say that's kind of still within the OTA universe of getting the person to give you a review through those channels. When it comes yeah. to other places to leave reviews like Google, which is a great one because it will help your search results, that's definitely one where you can push anyone to get your review, including all the non-booking guests. And we do see people in those communications, in email marketing, asked or solicit for those reviews. And that's one where when we do build a tech solution, might be one of those kind of like pre-built mm -hmm things where we ask people to rate their stay and then if they give a positive rating ask them to review on one of the other places where you can leave a review that's not tied to the specific booker and then we also have had customers do some surveys so like sending out a um, survey monkey to their guests to collect general feedback about the stay. And I think that ties more into soliciting feedback to improve the overall guest experience. And I just saw one of our customers send out a, a survey monkey around like, would you rather have like earlier check-in and then check out earlier check-in and check out earlier or like a later check-in and check out later? Because I think they're like debating in their markets like which way they want to, to go. So they were soliciting feedback from all the guests that have come through so that's really interesting you are that you know because brian i was going to ask you you know one of the things i don't know that i've ever looked at when i've booked a property man or a property is the check-in check-out times but i think if you so let's say it's 10 if you moved it back to nine i don't think you're going to get less booking the checkout right 9 a.m now i don't think you're going to get less bookings but i will tell you if i got there and on a splash page it said Hey, if, if you would like us to extend your checkout period, you know, time period from 9 to 10 a.m., just opt into our text messaging. I got to tell you, I don't know that there's a time I wouldn't have done it because you always need another hour. And I probably would have never have known that it was, it used to be 10 anyway. So now it's back to the same time. Like maybe that's something because, you know, because I think getting on, getting people to opt into text is, is going to become more and more critical. I think it's a direct way to be able to communicate with customers. I, I know as we're starting to increase the amount, the volume of bookings and properties, the preferred method of, method of communication is through text. So even coming from Airbnb, we're acquiring the guests' email addresses and their phone numbers, and I'm finding that the guests are, you know, I'll send them a quick text, 
And then all of a sudden they've just, they've opened up the floodgates. They're texting me all the time to find out, you know, whether it's good or bad for me, uh, I might not sleep ever again, but it's, it's the easiest, fastest way for me to communicate with guests, but it's also translating into much, much higher reviews. I've got, you know, we've only been operating for about two months, five-star ratings across the board. And when I'm reading the comments it is he communicates extremely fast, any issues that we've had at the house, he's on it. And it's that, that level of communication that guests are looking for and that creates good guest experience. So if we can achieve that through a platform, through StayFi, if we don't have a customer's, you know, a, a direct way to communicate with them, and this gives us the ability to do it, it's worth every penny to be able to invest in this type of technology. Yeah, and, and so last question, Arthur, um, and then I'd love for you to give some information about how people can reach you. But I also got to believe that, you know, some of the privacy steps that like Apple has taken, right, with the cookies and everything else, it's making it's making it much, even more so more valuable to be able to reach out to these guests after they've stayed or everybody in that party and be able to market to them direct because, you know, it, it's it's harder and harder to stalk them around the internet. You know, I, I, I've never been a huge privacy person, but I was shocked when these questions started popping up on my iPhone for all the apps. I was like, no, you don't need to know where I'm, where I'm going. Like, you know, I was very selective about the apps and I'm not even somebody who really worries about that. I, yeah. my life is boring. If you want to follow me, follow, you know, so, but uh, I got to believe that's making it really pot or, you know, even more valuable what you're doing. Yeah, right. I think the way Apple's moving is they want anyone to explicitly agree to share their data or be tracked in any way that someone is asking them, right? So that's definitely our stance as well. So I don't think we're relying on anything that will be like ripped from us when one of these larger tech companies decides they want to increase privacy or security for individuals using their product, which I think is a great thing. And so having a way to solicit this information where the guest understands why and how you're collecting it. And that's opposed to like, we know people that just like take all the emails they have in their PMS and like throw them in MailChimp. And I'm like, but did you really get permission from the guest to do that? Right. So, you know, theoretically you, you shouldn't do that. Right. Uh, but we'll do it all the time. Um, but the way that we do it is complying with privacy regulations so that if further restrictions come down the line, like we know that we are doing it in the in the right, proper way so that people understand what exactly they're opting into. Yeah, always yeah, one of the big concerns. Always one of the big yeah, one of the big concerns is always, especially with email marketers, are you using people's email addresses the right way and, and complying? And we've just gone through some exercises similar. We want to do some email marketing. Are we using the emails the right way? Where do these lists come from? And so, but if you guys have a way to acquire the emails and get the consent from the from the guests directly, then uh, that's awesome. No yeah, issues. Yeah, no, and, yeah, yeah. And I know Mailchimp. Even when you, you know, if you ever want to upload lists, you know, that's one of their big things. Is like, tell us how you got the. You know, it's a little bit of a. You know, we want you to certify that you have a right to use this list, which you know. Kind of puts the onus back on the on the user, but but I, I well, they, agree. they actually will. If you have a high bounce or unsubscribe rate, they will yeah. terminate your account. So you know they're protect 
protecting themselves. And also, I think, you know, when we tell people, if somebody wants to start email marketing and they do have a large list where they perhaps collected opt-in a long time ago, you know, there's definitely a right way to go about doing it, which is start small, start with friends and family. You have to build your reputation as an email sender. You can't just upload a list of 10,000 people and start blasting because it's going to throw up all sorts of red flags and you'll be marked as spam. And then your emails will get shunted into some folder in Gmail and then you'll never really be able to recover. So, you know, definitely just general advice, whether you use our product or collect emails any other way and you're starting, make sure you start small and build slowly and just don't start blasting a huge list of people because you will run into a lot of reputation issues that it's very hard to recover from once you go down that path. Good piece Good of advice. advice right there. Good advice. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, hey, Arthur, so how can people reach you if they want to learn more about, about the product, about your services? What's the best way? What's the, I'm guessing email probably works. <laughs> <laughs> they can email us. Um, they can also, so we kind of take the philosophy of only pay as much as you want to use our product. So there's no contracts, commitments. You can have one home, you can have a thousand homes and it's all done through our self-service portal, which you can sign up for on 